We are Science Fiction Remnant, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. This is Season 1, Episode 15, Movie Lucy, for August 29th, 2020. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Science Fiction Remnant. Thank you so much for coming back. Your support means a lot to us. We appreciate you for always coming back to us. We hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we have enjoyed making it for you. If you like the show and know someone who might like this podcast, please share it. It would help us greatly in growing this channel. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant and share any comments you have about this podcast or visit our new website, sciencefictionremnant.com. Well, this week's movie, it's, it had me going. It, it had me really going. Um, In circles, right? <laughs> <laughs> it really had me going. Uh, the movie is Lucy. It was released on July 25th, 2014. Uh, it cost $40 million to make, and it actually made $463.4 million. So um, it, it made a lot of money. And the movie is based on, uh, you know, the, the, the story in short is uh, we meet Lucy. She's, um, she, she found herself in a real bad situation where she got kidnapped to become a mule for this um, crime lord. And I guess the drugs she was transporting broke, turned it into a superhuman, and that's the movie. Mm-hmm. So what had me going on is the... The, the fact that this movie started with, and, and I'm sure we're going to elaborate a lot more into, the, uh, into this fact. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the reason why I want to bring it up now and not later is because the movie starts uh, in this premise. Uh, we have a uh, pro- university professor mm-hmm. in, in, in given its um, um, class. Um, Based on a work that he has done all his life, uh, they uh, is based on the fact that the human um, or humans um, are not able to use ten percent uh, of their brain capacity. Yeah. So that's pretty much where the whole movie is based. Now let's rewind, because <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go back to this definitely. Um, what do you think about this movie? I mean, this is the first time that you saw this movie, right? Uh, so I have seen it before, but it's been a while ago. And of course, I just watched it and enjoyed it. Uh, I, of, I absorb everything on the movie, but I never put too much thought into the technicalities and the actual theories and the real science behind it which there's no really on any of them. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the movie was quite entertaining, and I think that the narrative of the story as it goes, uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, it, keeps, it kept me engaged in the movie. So as looking at it as a movie and as a product, I think that it was a good movie. And, and you know, and I, I have to go on record and say, I mean, I, I, might, I started 
talking about the movie this way, but um, the movie was enjoyable. And as a sci-fi movie, I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I wouldn't mind watching it again. Um, you know, taking those things away. And, and you guys will know this later on in the show. You can read uh, the analogy as a scientific thing. It's just a heresy. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, and, you know, and I agree with that. I mean, most sci-fi, well, most sci-fi movies, yeah. Um, they're not real. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it's for me. It was a little hard because I, uh, I keep on coming back, and for some reason, I find myself trying to tell myself, you know, forget about this, so you can enjoy the movie. Once I can get put that behind me, I can enjoy the movie. Um, but the movie was really fun. You know, we we see Lucy. Um, became a drug mule and um, she got kidnapped and they got this doctor insert was it a bag of whatever this very big bag for a mule (laughs) (laughs) inside the abdomen and they're getting ready to go to different locations throughout the world so he can so I guess this drug lord can sell its Mm -hmm. you know drugs and um, while she's on holding, or this looks like a prison, um, some of the guys there, um, they were, uh, you know, they wanted to take advantage of the situation. Yeah. And it turns out that they started to um, hit Lucy. And... One of them were actually they were actually kicking her in the stomach, and supposedly that this actually not only broke her stitches but it actually broke the bag inside of her. So this substance, uh, I don't know if you remember CPH four. Mm-hmm. I I'll let you you know. I don't... Well, I, I mean, I mean the the kind of mainstream simple way they put it, uh, the. The female body creates this substance in very minimal quantities to uh, help the fetus to create bone marrow and most of its mass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so if you think about it, uh, when you look at it from a scientific and medical perspective, this is a miraculous substance. Yes. Now, the way that it's composing the drug is atomic bomb. Uh, yeah size compared to it so much they make this an analogy in comparison when they are explaining what the drug is in the movie so now you imagine somebody that has kilos of this crap inside and then it just let loose inside of your organism yeah because what you're talking about is a very minimal you know the body produces on a natural state very minimal amounts of this throughout the whole pregnancy (laughs) exactly so now this chemical that they're transporting not only is it created, there's nothing natural about this, mm-hmm. but is um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's very condensed. Mm-hmm. You know, so not only is it condensed, but she has a big bag of it. Yeah, a huge bag of it. A condensed. You know what this this came in a condensed. Uh, so this bag broke. 
So, like you said, it's an atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. And it caused some um, changes in Lucy's body. You could say you could say some actually. I don't know if that will be called molecular or atomical uh, an atomical uh, alterations on her it, body. Definitely, you could see some biological changes right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, it, it it looks like you know sparks and everything is changing inside of her. Yeah. So apparently. These changes that happen all throughout her body also occur in her brain. Mm-hmm. So what we are witnessing now is kind of like the gate opened up. And based on the theories from the beginning of the show with the, I mean the movie, where the uh, professor is talking about the 10% of the brain, we see Lucy now... Uh, Opening up to, you know, developing. 11, develop, yeah, uh, 11, 12, 13% of the brain as, as this chemical is affecting her body. And I mean, if you think about it, uh, even though we don't know the reality of what this fictional drug really is, when you look at it from the perspective of how it actually interacts with our body, uh, I mean, I've always been interested in how drugs actually interact with our bodies and like just make a comparison like if you look at a chronic drug like heroin for example so people do it through directly through their blood streams but some other actually end up because they can because your veins hide up they mm-hmm. do it straight in the flesh and the same way you see at the beginning of the movie they bring a junkie to actually snore that thing mm-hmm. but she didn't ingest it in the same way she it went straight into her mass the bloodstream the bloodstream yep. and then again it does take effect on the brain because if you think about it at the end of the day, everything that we process crosses through the brain. Well, you know, I was I was reading about this. Uh, the brain for for a, a normal adult requires twenty percent of the energy that you know that you consume. Mm-hmm. So, because you know it's an electrical device, and you need that much energy, it actually takes up a lot more energy than any. Um, um, single working mechanism in your exactly body, so it, it requires that much energy from from what i mean it it's always working even when you're sleeping it's working mm-hmm. so yeah and and then i think i like how the writers took on this drug to make it believable because this drug is supposed to be on a natural state what helps the fetus on a pregnant woman develop mm-hmm. so on on this sci-fi story, it, it makes it a little believable because this is a condensed chemical, you know, non-natural uh, substance on a condensed level. You know, what would that do to the body when the normal, you know, natural, very minim- minimal... Um, substance on a woman causes the fetus to grow exactly and, and if you remember actually uh along the movie after she gets that stuff broken up inside of her and she started experiencing the changes and she goes chasing after really quick to get that bag out of herself 
Mm -hmm. And the doctor that is taking care of her tells her what it is, CPH4, but he makes the exact comparison. He says, what you have in here in quantities is an atomic bomb Mm -hmm. inside your body. So that gives you the scale of the effect that this crap actually could have. Would it be a real drug? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, think about it. If you look at it from the other perspective, when they brought the junkie, the junkie was knocked down on drugs already. Yes. And, and, and usually what you see, your body has X amount of dopamine to explode, to exploit. After that, you just don't get high anymore. Yeah. And this guy just got a kick ass jump out of two little pebbles of that thing. Oh, yeah. So it tells you, like, okay, this is some crazy stuff. <laughs> oh, yes. Because <laughs> you would not think that a junkie could get just like he was over. <laughs> it, it, it's a good thing you mentioned that because, I mean, I, I did I see it, but that's a really good observation. He was already high as a kite. They had to slap him over the head several times for him to move because he was just, like, numb and, like, m- n- mumble. Like, he would not move or anything. Uh, so, so right there, they also like they did a good job depicting how heavy of a component this CPH four is by showing a heavy drug user that is already long gone, just feeling it like it was brand new, waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so th- this is when the when the bags broke this is basically when i like to say the movie starts yeah cuz now as as the movie progresses you'll see in a visual way um the percentage of the brain that lucy is using and and how things just get bigger and bigger as as, as we move along starting with when the bag broke wasn't it like 15% i forgot what it was 12% 12% um, she all of a sudden, uh, what was it? Learned Chinese. Oh, or by, she by that started time, kicking. By that time, it, she was twenty percent already uh, when she left the jail. And, and if you notice, uh, when she's leaving the jail, she's not doing more than just fighting badass. Yes. But so, so you will say that her critical thinking abilities have reached superior level. But it's just about that. But then by the time that she makes it to the hospital, she's in. Uh, she's actually. Uh, uh, 28%, and you notice that her perception, uh, perceptual sensors are way too heightened. Yes. Because she is literally looking at energy. She can per- start perceiving radio waves. She can listen to the sound of a person in a phone call inside of a car and the person in the streets meters away. Yeah. So, so they're like, they start depicting how your sen- sensory perception start to super heighten yeah. with the development of this. Um, the, the writer and director, Luke Besson, he, it, it took nine years to actually um, make the script. And I believe he did say that the project took about 10 years to become a reality. Um, and, and what he said actually makes me feel a little better, you know, as far as how I keep on, um, you know, thinking about how erroneous was that, you know, the, the 10% brain capacity thing is. Because, you know... Um, if you read any neuroscientist, you know, paper or anything that has to do with the brain, 
the first thing that they're going to tell you is, no, we use 100% of the brain already. So he'd said that he admitted the scientific, the scientific assumptions were erroneous, um, that the human obviously doesn't use, you know, obviously use a lot more than 10% of the brains. Uh, but he thought it was a great start for a sci-fi movie. Yeah. And that's one thing that we were talking about. If we research and look around, uh, we have not seen that the director has tried to deny this at any given point. Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so like even though the scientific uh, community might have gotten stirred up about it, it's not like somebody's claiming that what they know, it's false. Yes. I mean, the movie has not been made on real science. It's science fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I have to remember this because I, I love science fiction. But when I see something like, you know, for some reason, I, and I guess that's, you know, partly uh, one of the faults that I have is, um, and, and I shouldn't on sci-fi. You know, it's very mm -hmm. obvious I shouldn't on sci-fi. But I always try to see the possibility the reality behind things and granted let me say this again i really enjoy this movie i mean i find a lot of people online that said this movie wasn't good it sucked i liked the movie so and I, I i venture to say that those people that did not like the movie were the ones that could not let it go yeah they could not let go of the 10 percent thing um but yeah, every time I see something, I, I want to see, you know, what, what is the possibility um, that that could become, you know, not necessarily a reality that is, mm -hmm. that, that is in a, in a thought uh, experiment, it could potentially be real. Yeah. You know? And if you think about it, it's just a mere fact that this is a thought provoking movie too. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, it's, it's some, some of the many things that we were talking about, like, uh, it, it all depends on how you look at the hypothesis that the movie brings up, you know? Because well, there are many things that, that, that we could say, well, maybe we're using the 100% of our brain, but maybe we're not using that 100% at our own will, you know? Well, you know, and I think I, um, like, if, if you Google this online, you want to find a lot of scientists and, and, and neural, uh, neuroscientists uh, really be mad about this movie <laughs> and i you know i came to the conclusion that is not the fact that the movie uses the theory of the 10 percent you know capacity of the brain i think where they're hung up is the fact that they are trying to um uh, they're trying to debunk this thing has been going around uh, for a long time, mm -hmm. and 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 it was said that sixty percent of Americans still think that to be true. So it, it, I think you someone has attributed to someone reading something from Einstein and misinterpreting it. There's also a book out there. I think it was uh, How to Influence People that also mentions it. So. These people are trying to debunk it and say, you know, finally, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. And you have all these years, you know, you know, fighting this fact, this this fallacy or this, you know, how we call it now, fake news. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and now you have a movie that brings fire 
to what they were been fighting all along. So I think it's not the fact that they're using the 10% thing. I think that they are upset that, you know, about that, about, you know, bringing more fire to the flame. And, 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 to, be, and to be more precise and go more in depth with that, Probably it's not about the 10% thing. It's about the movie going as far as to tell you what the brain would do, which mm -hmm. is far more than just saying 10%. Because they probably, they are like, okay, think whatever you like, 10%. But then they see telekinesis. Uh, mm -hmm. You can receive and perceive radio waves. Uh, you can manipulate matter and stuff like that, and then the scientist community will go like, "That is just a lot of bullcrap," and then that's what that's what provokes uh, that uh, annoyance. You know, that's where the heresy falls. It's not about the ten percent, really. It's about the stuff that they show the character doing with the other percentage, which is considered just complete fallacy. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, what would you? Th why would you think that you can really control matter with your mind? Just because you know how to use your brain, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to, like that's far more complex and deep to even consider it as a as a, as a theory for starters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, I think we can't we cannot have it all. Yeah. Like for example, we look at Gothica. Yeah. You know, and if you guys haven't listened to that uh, episode, you can go back and listen to that episode uh, that we did uh, before. But in that movie, you know, it has positive implications to the scientific community mm -hmm. and worldwide. It, 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 it helped put the vision in people's mind that, were, you know, where those people were able to create some, you know, legal rules that could prevent stuff like that from happening um it, it brought awareness it was it had a positive result you know but the thing is that you know it's just my my thought here sci-fi movies are meant to be enjoyed yeah so you know it's a plus gathaka had some positive influences you know in, in our society and but it's but gathaka brings a preventive message too which is highly interesting Mm -hmm. Here you should like you cannot really think that about this movie. There's no preventive message. No, no. Uh, about like it's so beyond real consideration. Yep. That I mean, it's just mere entertainment at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, and although I could not find uh, the director talk about that, you can help to think that you know, in part, I'm not gonna say that it's a hundred percent that mm -hmm. reason, but in part, you know. There's bad, bad publicity is not, you know, it's, it's all good. You know, in the end, he's getting people to talk about it. And, you know, he's making a lot more money. That's true. I mean, I mean, if I want to reach out to the media, if you're going to talk bad or mad about me, bad, bad or good or bad about me, that's your business. But you still talk about me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, My product yeah. is there. <laughs> uh -huh. So, and I mean, that's you're right there. Uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. It's just publicity regardless of the nature of it. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. So, uh, going back uh, to the movie, you know, he, we we see how she kind of has this awakening, mm -hmm. and she realizes she's in trouble early on, to the point where she actually needs these chemicals to actually be alive. So, 
amazingly enough, due to her superpowers, let's let's call it that for now. Um, Supernatural stuff. Yeah. Let's Um, be sophisticated because this is a science (laughs) fiction movie. (laughs) (laughs) So she's able to see where the other people... And, and, you know, through, like, remembering the memories and through her, reflections. With, no, and, and basically, she, she uses her, her photographic memory, mm-hmm. which usually it, you consider a savant for having good abilities about that. But for mm-hmm. her, it's just at the reach of her thoughts now yeah, yeah. with that capability. And, and she literally just replayed back like it was a freaking video. And yeah. then you zoom in whatever she likes on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, she looks at a destination on a... A passport ticket through the reflection of somebody's eye that she was looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, yeah. That's that's you know. Although Neuralink promises something similar to that, it, that's a little far fetched. Yeah, it is. Because uh, you know, one of the things is that, you know I always think you know that our memories are dynamic; they're not static. So. You recall a memory, and every time you recall a memory, you know, you add to it. Because, you know, to put it in computer terms, you know, our thoughts are read-write to us. So what um, Neuralink kind of promises is the fact that you could remember everything in detail. um, And you can just recall it, you know, kind of like like a robot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, many people get scared and think, you know, it's kind of like a replacement, but basically all that it is, is your brain working together with AI to accomplish this task. Yeah, it's what I like to call it, uh, and it is what it really is. It's just a brain enhancement tool, if you think Correct. about it. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Where I thought it gets a little scary is the fact that it's also read-write. The equipment they installed on your brain is read-write. So you can read the the electrical impulses in your brain. And you can also send electrical impulses in your your brain. So you can actually rewrite. It's a little scary. And that's the only thing that really keeps me doubtful of even considering myself for it. It's what's the security measure for this? Like, uh, this is a two-way device, so how do I know that my brain is not going to be hacked into it and probably harmed in any kind of way? Because if information can come in or out of it, I mean, you know, we have a saying, who did the rules did the tricks. Yeah. yeah so there's no guarantees for it, and that makes it a very high-risk uh, investment or even option to think I, about. I, I kind of think a little differently, but then again, you know, I'm no expert. I am no neural scientist. I don't work for Neuralink, although mm-hmm. I wish I could. But um, <laughs> the fact, based on what I see, you have three, three devices, let's call it like, like that, that work together. Yeah. That actually work as three gateways in between. So you have the electrodes that they install on your brain, you know? And that stays in your brain. Now, those electrodes are one thing that connects to this device that goes in your ear. I'm not sure how, and I'm sure we're going to see pretty soon mm-hmm. what, you know, what, because he's, he's announced 
you know that he's going to give you most he, he's going to give us more more information on this but i'm not sure how it connects but it has to connect to the electrodes in your brain mm-hmm. so there's that first jump there's no direct connection uh, they don't i don't think there could be any direct connection because you know it, it cannot be installed on your brain so i'm assuming it's some sort of bluetooth or i hope it's not bluetooth but you know some sort of wireless connection and then that device in turn will connect to your phone yep so that makes me feel a little better because to hack that you have to jump those three points assuming that it's not bluetooth (laughs) and then again and then again is what i'm saying robert uh, if there is a chain of connectivity, there is a pathway to follow through. And I mean, I don't I have no idea what kind of skills good hackers have, but I do not doubt that they are smart enough to figure out a way or even figure mm-hmm. out an imposter device that could actually mimic what that middle ground receptor would do between your brain and a device and just create something to mess with some people. Uh, you know, so that's why, like, for me, like, oh, that's a pretty idea, but it's a no-go. <laughs> if, if there is a a need, they will find a way. Yeah. It's what I said, man. Who did the rules, did the tricks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, honestly, and, and that's something that I actually got surprised in between so many smart people attending to that talk that mm-hmm. he did last way. Nobody bothered to raise the question about security issues and measures for such a sensitive device mm-hmm. you know uh, i'm sure we're gonna we're gonna hear about it and hopefully someone will ask i've researched over the internet <laughs> all over and i mean i'm actually a bit terrified i don't see many people or maybe anybody asking about it like people, maybe people are unconcerned or they're just trying to shut it down. So like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just good police and sell this stuff up. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll definitely, we'll, you know, time will tell. Time yep. will definitely tell. So um, th- this, going back to the movie, th- th- she, she finds where this other three people were going to be. And, and she devised a plan to intersect them because she needs the drugs to survive, I guess. But and you haven't explained what she needs the drugs to survive. Well, it, it, her her body is changing to the fact where she has this um, events happen where she's partly or completely disappear. But I would have to say the freaky part was. When she sat down, she was in China, she was talking to... No, no, was it Tarpei? I forgot what it was. And she was talking to her friend, and she asked to borrow the computer, and she started looking some research about what's going on, and she discovered the guy that we saw at the beginning of the movie. Uh, the professor. The professor. Impersonated uh, by Morgan Freeman. Freeman. And she decides to reach out to him. Now, that was cool. Yeah, it was. <laughs> she calls him, and, and we don't see how she does this, but I'm assuming she's not using a phone because she started using the computer. And he thought that it was, that it was a joke, that maybe someone uh, that he knows was putting this person up for a joke. And 
she started showing up everywhere. She she turned on the TV and was looking at straight at him. Um, she was on the phone, uh, the cell phone, on the landline. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere, and she's practically controlling this stuff with her ma- with her brain. It, it, it was- <laughs> and that's like okay, now we're going too far. Uh, like that, you can be smart enough to actually know how to manipulate all this stuff through machines. But like, I mean, we don't have an, an antenna connected into our brain. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I can I can play the devil's advocate and go into like in a far fetched territory by saying. Our brains are electrical impulses. So yeah. is internet. So is computers. <laughs> well, don't you think you might fry your brain before you can actually create a frequency that <laughs> actually would affect anything? <laughs> like I said, that was a far fetch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, and what I was going to go about uh, the effect that this takes on her, if you think about it from a simplistic uh, point of view, uh, basically, even though her brain is developing to a higher capacity, supposedly, throughout the movie, and she can do greater things. If you think about it from the other side, her anatomy stills the same. So mm-hmm. it is like you're giving a certain vehicle a fuel that has way too much more ethanol than mm-hmm. you resist. So it, it will blow up in the engine and create energy, but it's going to be so strong that it's going to end up destroying the machine. Yeah, she was. It's kind of like putting way too much NOS on your car. Exactly. You know, exactly. and and you it becomes apparent because she starts breaking up. I mean, there was a scene when she started drinking. It was in the air? Uh, no, it was on the airplane. In the airplane. Uh, she started drinking champagne and she dropped a tooth. Yeah. And, and you know, when she goes to the bathroom, she completely disappeared. We just another thing too that I was wondering is after that scene when she disappears, she becomes like atoms all over the place yes you can see the atoms coming out of her butt cheek yeah of her cheeks actually yeah so it's now after the next scene she's in a hospital in 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 paris so that's one of the things that i question about the movie is i i don't know how you know what happened i mean did she they never showed they never show they show a big flash which lets me to wonder maybe she did not really disappear she stopped that before she would decompose completely. Because if you think about it, I mean, I, there's two hypotheses that I have. She either did not disappear and decompose, mm-hmm. or if she did, her consciousness was able to have the control over her particles to put her back together again. And I can, I can add another thing to that theory, too. It could be that that's, that was all in her mind and she just fainted. That's true. Because I mean, we're talking about brain alteration here. Yeah, but but I don't I don't know because at the same time, uh, she changes her hair and stuff like that, which are really mm-hmm. material aspects. And you notice that very advanced in the movie by the end, her mass completely changes to something that is not human. Yes. So yes. so in reality, they kind of try to depict the theory that she can literally manipulate her mass at will yes yes uh so so it leaves me wondering maybe this is like the part of the process before she's able to really have control Mm -hmm. over this faculty of herself which is mass as one element and that's it uh but it leaves me wondering because they put it like she's literally decomposing like her eyes are falling off like i was even making fun it looked like those (laughs) stories that people say when they just chunk too much mushrooms (laughs) (laughs) Uh, before we continue, I just wanted to 
give you a little, you know, tidbit. Um, in the scene in Paris, when she is, uh, you know, there's a doctor and, and the doctors have the, the people that they capture at the airport. Yes. Um, Luke Besson, the director, writer. Is one of the one of the doctors. Oh wow! <laughs> and as a matter of fact, is he gets killed on that scene? They they shot him. Remember the scene when the guys come in and start shooting the doctors and the police? And, yep. Know, he gets shot in there. Oh my god! <laughs> so it, it's it was really. I mean, this movie was really cool. I mean, I I I love the the um, fighting scenes. Yeah, they were great. And even the non-fighting scenes. Uh, let me explain that. Uh, there is a scene where she, Lucy, walks into this hallway, and there's, you know, a, I mean, it's, this hallway is filled with the, uh, gangsters, the gangsters, yeah, <laughs> all with the guns pulled out, and they're getting ready to shoot her, and she, oh, she just manipulates this whole situation where the gun starts floating up. And then they started flowing up. And there's another scene where she just go like, you know, uh, I think she lowers her hands or something. And everybody just falls asleep. Yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is the fighting, non-fighting scene. <laughs> yeah. And if you think about it, it's because in between all the supernatural things that they say that you can do with your brain, controlling other humans, it's one of them. Mm-hmm. And already by that part of the movie, she's beyond the 50%. Mm-hmm. Of the brain capacity, supposedly. So basically, uh, I don't think that she really hit them or something. She literally just controls them to a point that she just puts them puts them to sleep. Yes, yes. Uh, which was pretty interesting because then there's other parts, for example, where she just literally paralyzed them, mm-hmm. and you can see that the, their consciousness still going at it independently, but they have no will to move. No control, yeah. Uh-huh. Or, or even, like, I mean, there's so many things that are unexplainable. Like, the scene where she's driving, like, a nut job. Uh, and then she says, I've ne- I never driven before. <laughs> like, I've driven since I'm a little kid, and I would never be able to drive close to that. <laughs> I wouldn't make it a block like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to say that once I go past that point of the 10%, I was actually really enjoying this movie. And, and I think if you're one of those that, you know, watched the movie and didn't like it, just give it another chance. Try to put that away mm-hmm. um, for a minute and just enjoy, um, enjoy the movie. And I mean, keeping your mind when watching it, this is not real science. I mean, mm-hmm. this is literally science fiction. This is way too far-fetched to be even considered. And I mean, whoever wants to consider that this is real, I mean, they're free to believe whatever they want. <laughs> well, you know, we, we do have... A, remember that that study says 60% of Americans still believe yeah, yeah. That, that we only use 10% of the brains. For, for those people that are vested in this ideal, the movie is real. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, not real, but the possibility. Because they said, okay, you know, if I barely use 10 percent of my brain you know look at what i can do with if i could use 20 if i could use 25 you see what i mean mm-hmm. so, i do see what you mean but but i mean it's what i told you i think that there's a very big misconception between knowing how to use a certain percentage of our brain and knowing how to exploit the capacity of our brain to our own free will how to use the tool a hundred percent Exactly. Uh, don't go far. It's like things that I've learned even from 
great yogi masters that I like to read about and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they teach you about it. You're like, huh. It leaves you wondering, like, you don't get to control how your heart beats. Mm-hmm. Or you don't get to control how your arteries actually pump the blood around your whole system. Okay. Or how your nervous system reacts to things. Correct. Uh, some people, through a lot of meditation and training, like they can control stuff like suppressing pain. Or actually, uh, I don't know if you know about the Iceman. Uh, this mm-hmm. guy literally can go into the, into the glacier in shorts. Or go over the Mount Everest in shorts. Enough freeze or get frostbite because he's learned how to control his body to a point that he can raise his temperature to stay in good state without burning up. Mm-hmm. But this, and these are supernatural things that you can learn through very heavy training and lots of years. Yeah, and, uh, uh, and these are part yeah. of learning how to control your body by using your brain properly. But doesn't mean that others that cannot do it are not using their brain to their maximum capacity. These are just ability that you can learn through certain practices. Correct, correct. You know? It, it's, like I said, I think, I think the misconception is like, uh, you know, 10% of the brain, you know, obviously is, is, uh, is, is not true, right? We use a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to use a lot more because if that is a fact, that means that we can take away 90% of the brain and, and be okay with it. Yeah. And, and we know that's not a fact because we have a minimal acts, you know, a minimal, a minimal damage to an area of the brain, and you it, it can range from um, having a stroke to you know some sort of like neurological disease or even staying as a vegetable. Exactly. So so we need a hundred percent of our brains. We use a hundred percent of our brains. Kind of a lobotomy effect. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it is. It, I think where where the movie should should be pointed at is the fact that the brain is a is a tool that the body uses you mm-hmm. know that's what controls everything you know from from your heartbeat to oxygenating every organ you know um it it, it, it directs your heart to pump the blood so it can oxygenate you know so i think the the point is how to use that tool and i think that's what those masters that we learn from from Asian cultures, mm-hmm. how they you know they they have through meditation uh, spent so techniques. many years and and with this different place. techniques and they have developed this uh, this um, um, processes that that allow them to control or use that tool a lot more than a normal person would. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Is the ancient wisdom that I always refer to, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I th- I think that's where after I I, I took that, um, because I've seen way too many um, documentaries. Uh, um, there's monks in what is it um, Tibet? And Tibet, yeah. Um, Nepal. And you see all these things, all, all those incredible things that people can do, just through you know. The use of meditation to try to control. And that's the whole idea of meditation is, you know, you clear your mind so you can understand your own body. Mm -hmm. And here's a funny observation that I actually made last time that we watched the movie, but you can really correlate it to it. When you look at all these great masters that have reached some kind of illumination, enlightenment in some way, uh, what do they express they feel? 
It's the same thing that she expressed, she felt. She doesn't feel fear. She doesn't feel emotions at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She just perceives the world as is and feels it. Yep. So in a way, she becomes one with her surroundings. Yeah. And just like the great Kung Fu master said, become one with the universe. Yeah. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. So so there's even though this is all fallacy or whatever, but it kind of stirs that's why I say it's such a thought provoking movie. Because it touches certain theories that leaves you like, huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Again, in, in a way it's what we discuss in every other science fiction movie that we say. It's he did a great job blurring up the lines between what's fiction and what could be reality. Mm-hmm. He played it very well. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, that's what makes this movie so interesting to my likes. Uh, I, I, yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, um, and, and it's, it's interesting that she actually, quite literally, became one with the universe. Yeah. Because in the end, she became this kind of blob. Yeah, giant blob. And then... <laughs> Kind of what happens to Akira in the anime. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so then she creates this this uh, USB drive mm-hmm. because this is what she promised the professor that you know she would grab all the knowledge and 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 give it to him and put it on a understandable way for our very limited resource understanding, correct, and perception of things. Because that's the thing she understands it all. But a normal human human brain doesn't have the capacity to perceive that information and put it on a language that you could get. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of covering that gap of knowledge and capacity by literally dummifying and translating all these processes for science to be able to understand it. Yeah, yeah. So then we, we find the ending when she kind of disappears. Mm-hmm. And we have the police officers ask, it's like, where is Lucy? You know? And then his phone, I don't remember if it rang or whatever, but he looked at his phone and she says, I'm everywhere. So, yeah, she quite literally became part with the universe. Yep. And, and, and it's, it's kind of, I, I, I mean, I don't know why it brings me back to like the, the spiritual talk again, because like, for example, if you look at reincarnation beliefs, for example, mm-hmm. what do they believe? You reincarnate, but you don't reincarnate forever. Like, they say, okay, and what happens when you don't reincarnate anymore? And they say, well, you become one with the mother body of God. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, that's what she does. Because she, she, she puffs up, and then she becomes one with everything. It's only that in some way, her consciousness, it's there. Compared to us telling a tree, talk to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll fall out of a tree for you. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to say something that would or may be considered blasphemous for some of the people out there. Is that You'll be warned. <laughs> <laughs> that, in a way, I would love to see a part two. Well, me too. You know, I, I would like to see what she did for being everywhere. Like it's kind of like the ghost in the machine. Mm-hmm. She's everywhere. So part two, you have this being that is omnisense, omnipresent. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. And I mean, and I mean, she's everywhere, but she's still her. It's it's what I like. Even though she's everywhere, 
her individuality was not blurred out with everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. If not, there wouldn't have been an answer to a phone. And and, and that brings another thought to my my you know after you mentioned that, um, she is not the same person that we saw at the beginning. Oh the hell no, she was not the same person twenty minutes after the beginning. Oh my god! <laughs> but that's the thing. If you look at it. Once she lost a sense of fear and emotions, because mm-hmm. all she was at the beginning was fear and emotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there was nothing intelligent about the character. Mm-hmm. Honestly, for you to trust yourself with this pimp that <laughs> was perfectly portrayed as oh, yes. freaking dumbass. Yeah. Uh, and, and let herself get into such trouble. So they made a good job in the movie depicting the evolution of a character transition or yeah. having a peanut uh, peanut brain size to being just uh freaking giant bubble like yeah, and, and i think that that brought uh, brings the appeal to the character when you have such a huge difference such a huge gap mm-hmm. in between the person that we see at the beginning and the person that she becomes at the end yeah exactly like like when when the movie begins she doesn't know where she's standing uh she doesn't know what she's gonna do she doesn't have any kind of independent uh thinking she just don't want to doesn't want to be involved and, but and- she she lets herself be pushed around and and be handled for whatever is happening and at the end after that after she starts changing, you see that her gaze is settled, that she's concise, that she is uh, very, all logical, uh, very very logical. Uh, after that, no, uh, no rational, only you know, it's pure logic. Pure logic. What she becomes, uh, and basically, her continence is just she's in absolute control. And and I think the director made a really good point in showing us that contrast yes when she came back to the apartment and met her friend mm-hmm. to ask for the computer yeah so we see her friend exactly how she was at the beginning of the movie and now we see her and how the interaction between these two characters it, it's it, it's kind of like okay here it is this is your difference so you can tell the difference yeah it's very very apparent yeah, absolutely. Like I even commented, like when the girl is talking to her when she went to visit back into the apartment, I told you, like, man, this girlfriend of hers sounds like she's brain dead because she's talking to her. She's even being repeated what she's about to say, and she doesn't even react to it. Mm-hmm. So it's like those kind of people are like <laughs> empty-headed that you're like, what? And then she said, oh, you know, I'm I'm been talking too much about. How about yourself? How do you? It's like you did not are you hear listening. Her? <laughs> Got too much wax, like what? So, so it's a perfect analogy of like a before and after, and like what she become with the evolution and what she was before. Uh, I mean, wow, yep. bravo! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I, I would be very curious to see what you guys think when you watch this movie. I mean, we, we talk about. I mean, let's let's put this into perspective. You know, if this would be possible, you know, would that be something you would like to have? Would that be a superpower? Let's call it that superpower that you would like to have. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't I don't know that I would want that for one reason. You um, obviously become 
you know, all logical. You will lose the capacity to laugh. I think at that point, you are no longer human. No, you're not. And although you understand everything, you have no feelings. Um, I don't think you have... You lose your your capacity to empathize with other people. Well, well, I don't know, because if you think about it, if you lose your capacity to empathize, she would not have done what she did at the end. Well, and this is the reason why she says she keeps the cup around is because he makes her feel human. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the logic is probably uh, a predominant factor in the personality, but it seems that it doesn't become everything on her. Hmm. And I think that that's the element of our consciousness into this whole... Bi- because this is completely biological effect. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is all matter. Yeah. And you know that our psyche and our consciousness is a quantic body, supposedly. Mm. So, per se, if that is a completely separate thing from the physical realm, this is what keeps her really being human at some level still if not mm-hmm. she wouldn't have helped them at all she would have just saying oh i'm gonna wipe out this race that is actually just during up this planet <laughs> yeah. and well, save the nature <laughs> yeah i don't know it's just the way that she interacts with everybody else yeah you know it, it's it's completely different it's completely cold um so uh, in a way i i think you might hurt the people you love the most yeah because you're not able to express in the way that they're accustomed or even the same way that they can express you know how they care about the other person oh maybe even caring about them is not more important than the greater good well i mean let's put it this way let's 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 make it that you know caring for that person is the most important thing in the world let's let's just far fetch it and go there the way that she would do that would not be a way that the person receiving it will understand. No, not at all. So, in, in, in Lucy's mind, she's doing it because she loves that person, mm-hmm. but that person will not feel love. And, and I think that's what I'm talking about. I, I don't, although I might be doing things, you know, for the loved ones, for people that I care for, and they are not going to be able to understand or feel that what I'm doing, I'm doing it at all. Yeah, because the balance is tilted when it comes to uh, a good balance between emotions, logic, uh, and measuring consequence against the actual effect that that takes on others. Mm-hmm. There's not that measure. There's just results driven yeah. uh, equations, you know? And that can actually have a heavy effect in between everything. I, I agree. I agree. Okay, um, you guys, let us know what you think. Um, I have to say, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, and, I mean, you kind of hear us say this in every episode we have done so far. And, and the trick, and I don't know if you have figured this out yet, is that we pick the movies or TV shows or books um, that we like. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to hear us you know, say this very frequent. But uh, again, I like to hear from you guys and see what your opinions are. So um, you can reach us on um, Twitter and 
let us know what you think about the movie. Um, you can also reach us out through our website, uh, sciencefictionrevenant.com. Um, and, and just let us know. We also have a Discord if you want to talk to us. So oh, yes, definitely. Let us know. Well, this is the end of our show for now. Please let us know if you like this episode. And if you have any ideas about which topics you would like us to discuss in future episodes, feel free to let us know. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at SciFiRemnant or our website, sciencefictionremnant.com. And if you like this podcast, do share it. And rate us on your favorite podcast platform. This will help us grow. Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant, signing off.